other day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Hello, Kingdom Defenders. Welcome to this edition of Defending the Kingdom. Mitch Holters with you, voice of the Chiefs, along with senior team reporter Matt McMullen. It is the AFC Championship game, and the Chiefs will host this game for the fifth consecutive time. And think about this in the history of the franchise, what 58 seasons it would have been from 1960 to 2017, whether it's the Dallas Texans or at Municipal uh, Stadium or the early days of Arrowhead, that this game was never hosted at any time for almost six decades. And now the Chiefs at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium will host this for a National Football League record fifth consecutive year. It's unbelievable. It's just crazy. I, I remember back in 2018 how excited we were to be hosting one of these. Like, wow, we're hosting the AFC Championship game. We are one win from the Super Bowl. And to think that we've done that every single season since then is just remarkable. And we can't take it for granted. I mean, on one side, we have a standard now, right? We expect to be in this game every single year. But at the same time, you cannot take it for granted because this is truly unprecedented. This has never happened before where one team has hosted the AFC title game or just a title game, even the NFC title game. Five consecutive years, uh, just an amazing opportunity once again for the Chiefs. This is where we thought we'd be when the season first began, but you can't take it for granted. And we don't care if it's the AFC championship game or the first day of OTAs. We always go around the world <laughs> on defending the kingdom. What do you got? Yep, so I've got eight of them today could be Eight. Chad Henney times two could be Carlos Dunlap maybe I like that one he got yeah. his first ever uh, NFL playoff victory after 13 seasons of playing in this league and I made sure I found him and gave him a hug because after someone who went 21 seasons <laughs> and f before winning a first playoff game for him to win that game he was excited but his first reaction was we got to get the next one yeah and the next one is the team that he has played the bulk of those 13 years with in the Cincinnati Bengals so I love it you've got eight yeah hey for Carlos Dunlap yeah we've got eight today so Ray is in Arizona uh, Marcus is in Germany Sawyer is in Sunrise Florida and they suggested we do wait a minute shows. Germany now of course you know we're very involved in Germany now Germany we're not going to narrow it down yeah just Germany for now yeah, Marcus where in Germany are you yeah we because need to know and hopefully you're from my roots which is Bruchhaus and Wilson uh which is north uh so anyway yeah near so, Bremen so my heritage is like half Irish obviously McMullen half German I've kind of gone with the Irish side because of my last name but I don't know where my ancestors are from we're in gonna find out we yeah. are gonna find out yeah. and yes so you've into German ancestry uh that's my maternal side Half of it, my paternal side, all of it. But it, we've traced it back along my paternal side to Brookhouse and Vilsen. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, about 30 kilometers, uh, what is it, Ochtendreisig, uh, south <laughs> of east of Bremen. Okay. That's, right. we got to go there. Let's go. Um, well, Marcus, let us know where in Germany you're listening. We have Sawyer in Sunrise, Florida. And Sawyer wants us to do longer shows. Doesn't want us to keep making these only 30 minutes. And we could totally do that. I mean, you and I could do this for like three hours. We could. <laughs> it feels like we have to cram it all into 30 minutes, but uh, maybe we'll make some longer shows in the future. Uh, Ryan is in Halifax, Nova Scotia. It's fun to say. Uh, Bria is in Fort Worth. Jim is in Barstow, California. 
He's originally from Kansas City, moved to Barstow for the Army, and was there for 30 years uh, in the Army, but uh, still a huge Chiefs fan. Uh, And we also have a listener in the Philippines. And then Nick is from the United Kingdom. He's a new fan to the kingdom. Uh, He met a couple from Wichita on a cruise last year. They got him into the Chiefs, and then he got them into Helen's Rugby League, uh, or (laughs) Helen's Rugby Team in a rugby league in the U.K., uh, and both teams are crushing it. So Nick joined at the right time. That's that's awesome. And I've got one, uh, actually, from Poland. Okay. And I want to get this right. I think it's Wrocław, Wrocław, Poland. But how do you get Wrocław out of W-R-O-C-L-A-W? What would you think? I mean, you grew up in Kansas City. You would think. Well, here I like, am pronouncing, you know, Nevada, Nevada. <laughs> I, I mean, I can't even begin. But that's a kingdom thing, right? <laughs> but I guess it's the same point. Or Iowa, Iowa, or Miami's Miami. <laughs> right? Or our Kansas City's not Arkansas City. It's our Kansas City. Uh, but this is W-R-O-C-L-A-W Poland, but it's Rolsoff. And the family, I want to get this right, uh, an amazing new Chiefs Kingdom family in Eastern Europe. Uh, but I think it's the, uh, let me get this, I don't want to goof this up. It is the Ron- Radomska? Radomska family. So, Kingdom right. Defenders in Poland. Love I love it. it. That's love amazing it. stuff. We're expanding by the day. <laughs> well, we're trying to expand to get another Lamar Hunt trophy. If the Kansas City Chiefs can beat the Red Hot Cincinnati Bengals, the Chiefs will win the Lamar Hunt trophy for the third time in four seasons after having never won it. Remember, the AFC Championship trophy is named after the founder, of the Kansas City Chiefs franchise. But that didn't start until the mid-'80s. And uh, the Chiefs didn't win it, haven't won it, until up until the 2019 season, then won it in 2020, and hope to bring it back after last year's loss to the Cincinnati Bengals in this game. Yeah, it has me thinking about 2019. Being on the field for that Mm. moment after uh, we'd won the game and the confetti was flying, I remember just walking around, like, manically laughing. Just like, this is the best day of my life. It's just unbelievable being a Chiefs fan my whole life. And I'm pretty young, right? A lot of other people suffered through a lot of tough years. Um, and to witness that was just remarkable. 2020, it was a little bit different. Still amazing, but a little bit different just because of COVID protocols. Couldn't be on the field for it all. It was, it was a little weird. It was just weird. Yeah, I mean, still an amazing accomplishment, but a little bit different for the fan side of it. But 2019 was just incredible breathtaking uh and to now be in a position where we can hopefully do that again it's right there uh it's pretty exciting did you uh because you have the beautiful wife ellie uh did you ever discuss with her that winning the 2019 lamar hunt trophy was the greatest thing of your life did you ever mention well, that uh, fortunately that's before we got married oh yeah good answer. yeah we were, we were okay, still good. dating at the time so okay, now nice if i had to rank it Getting married was the best day, right? Number two, I think, was winning the Super Bowl because that was also a deliriously amazing day. Number three would be winning the Lamar Hunt Trophy in 19. Yeah, like I said on the air that day, it was like winning two Super Bowls that year because when that trophy that day at that time, the team that Lamar Hunt founded has just won Lamar Hunt's trophy in the stadium that was Lamar Hunt's dream. So let's try to do that again, shall we, (laughs) as we dive in here to this episode of the Chiefs Kingdom that we're calling Funf. Uh, for our German fans, or Cinco, right? For our fans that are into Spanish, or five. And you've got Azerbaijan for five. Have you ever figured out how to, what's, how do you say it? I still you haven't know? figured it out. So Mitch has this fascination with Azerbaijan. I do. And, and last night he was texting me about <laughs> this episode, and he was, with no context. There's, I don't know what he's doing at first. He's sending me just all these different variations of five. I sent you Japanese for five. Like yeah. The signal, yeah. Like, I thought it was, like, when you send an emoji yeah. and your phone isn't updated enough, so you don't, like, see the real emoji. You just see, like, a weird character. But yeah. it was 
Japanese for five, and then I, I picked up on it and sent you the Azerbaijan yeah. way of writing five. We don't know how to say it yet, though. So if anyone does, let us know. Sent you French for five. But we're just going with just everybody calm down. We're going to go with Funf uh, for our Germans and, uh, and our German fans and all our fans that love Germany and the Chiefs going together, and, of course, Cinco uh, for our Spanish-speaking kingdom defenders and five for the English-speaking uh, folks. But it is five, uh, Funf, Cinco, uh, AFC Championship games in a row hosted here at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium, and here come the Cincinnati Bengals once again. Truthfully, the hottest team in the NFL. They've not lost since Halloween. They were very complete uh, in their domination, really, of Buffalo, which I think stunned everybody in their victory in the divisional playoff round. Yeah, it sure was. Uh, they've won 10 straight, uh, as you alluded to. And, yeah, I think everyone, including us, was expecting kind of a game that maybe could go to overtime, a game where it would be back and forth between the Bills and the Bengals. And that wasn't the case. The Bengals raced out to a 14 nothing lead and really never looked back. They dominated the Bills really in every aspect of that game. Uh, and they're hungry. That's obvious. And one thing that we've seen from them uh, really in the last two years and definitely saw it in that Bills game is they are not afraid to be physical. They want to be the more physical team. They want to be the more aggressive team. And something I'm going to hit in this podcast today over and over again, it is imperative for the Chiefs in this game to not just match but exceed that physicality and that aggression uh, throughout this game because the Bengals feed off that. I think it's the first – well – Maybe the second paragraph, because the first paragraph of the story, of course, is what everybody's asking from Vrolsov, Poland, to Azerbaijan, uh, to, I don't know, Nevada, Missouri. And that is Patrick Mahomes' ankle. And we appreciate all of you who have reached out with the interest in sacrificing of giving your ankle uh, to Patrick. What a, what a, you know, what a heartfelt thought uh, <laughs> of you sacrificing your ankle. But let's don't go there. Uh, let's go to a place where... And I knew it was going to be a week of people saying, gosh, I think he's on his last breaths. Or uh, my uncle's cousin's cousin's realtor saw Patrick riding a skateboard down the street. I mean, that's what you get in these weeks. Yeah. And you don't just get it locally. You get it nationally because everybody wants to know. And I've told people we won't know until we know. But it has been a peculiar week. But what I do know, uh, Matt, is that, one, Andy Reid is the most forthright coach I've ever been around in my brief time uh, in sports in a big-time, high-profile situation when it comes to injuries. He may not tell you everything, but he won't tell you a fib. Two, and that's just part of his character. Two, Patrick Mahomes is surrounded by a dozen people, whether it's Rick Burkholder's staff, the athletic training staff, or the six team doctors, or some of their folks. He is surrounded by some of the best in the business. And they have dedicated their lives over the last 96 hours to – you know, even more time, 120 hours, to get Patrick ready to play. That's yeah. what I do know. Yeah, absolutely. And another part of this that is kind of funny is every single person that has ever had an ankle sprain oh, yeah. or has an ankle attached to their body has chimed in on this on Twitter. It's like, yeah. well, listen, my uncle had a high ankle sprain, and, you know, he took this long to recover. Yep. Patrick- I was in West Side Story <laughs> as a seventh grader, and during rehearsal, yep, I had that same injury. I couldn't go to the next rehearsal. Yeah, as if it's just a blanket term and there's not grades of severity and <laughs> you know everyone's the same. But what we do know as well is we're recording this on Wednesday. Patrick Mahomes met with the media today, and uh, he said it's, it's doing good, referring to the ankle. Uh, I got a few days of treatment and rehab. I'm excited to get on the practice field and try it out, but it's feeling good so far. So we're recording this before practice. We'll see how practice goes, but 
uh, for all intents and purposes, that's good news at this point in the week. I think the early part of the week, it's tough because all you have is people that maybe aren't close to the situation chiming in on it, and that creates mystery and confusion. The man himself said he feels pretty good, and Coach Reed said he was in a good place yesterday. So that's all we know, and we'll take their word for it. And you know what? I've learned from being around Patrick Mahomes since 2017 and Andy Reid since 2013, taking their word for it is a pretty good way to <laughs> take things. Uh, that's usually the way to go. All right, let's just jump into the football part of this. We mentioned Cincinnati uh, being hot, and you talked about being physical in this game, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. That's the second paragraph of this game. In an ancillary thought here with that is that there are some games, and you and I have talked about this down through the years, where some games where the first second of the game has the intensity of the last second of the game. And this is one of those because the Cincinnati Bengals, in their recipe for this 10 straight victories, has been to knock people out. It's like the wrestler in high school or college, which is a fascinating sport, that goes for the pin in the first period. Uh, they have outscored the Cincinnati Bengals in the last five games, have outscored their opponents 46 to nothing in the first quarter. But down through the season, down through the season, the Cincinnati Bengals only allowed 22 points from enemy offenses in their first possession. Only Dallas was better throughout the year. So it's not just the last five weeks, but even when Cincinnati started 0-2 and has gone on a tear since then, that this is a team that hits the ground running from the get-go. And, and look what they did to Buffalo. Yeah. They hit them in the nose before Buffalo had a chance to catch a breath. Yeah. And so the Chiefs have to be ready from the first second of this game. That intensity reminded yeah. me of something. It reminded me of the wild card game uh, between the Oakland A's and the Royals back in 2014. And what I remember about it, that was the first time the Royals were in the playoffs in my entire life. And uh, I was there, and I was so excited. And James Shields was the pitcher for the Royals. And the first pitch of the game was a strike. And you could hear everyone in the crowd losing their minds as if it was the ninth <laughs> inning and he was the closer, you know? Yeah. And that's how the Bengals treat these games. Yep. They treat every single game like the first five minutes or the last five minutes, and they knock people out. And we saw them do it to a very good Buffalo Bills team, and the Bills were ambushed. I think the Bills thought they were going to go into that game. They were favored to win. I think a lot of people thought they would roll in that game, and the Bengals said, no, we're here. And we're not affected by the snow. We're not affected by any of this. Missing some offensive linemen, we don't care about any of it. And they went out, and it was, frankly, surgical. So the positive news for the Chiefs is they are not going to be ambushed in this game. They're expecting that from the get-go. And I think a hot start, considering the circumstances of everything, is so important for the Chiefs in this game. Ideally, the Chiefs will win the toss, they'll defer, get a three and out from the Bengals' offense, then go down and score uh, if you're the Chiefs' offense. That would be the ideal start for the Chiefs here in this one because the Bengals, that's how they get rolling. They get off to a hot start, and then you're trying to play catch-up the entire time. The Bills just ran out of gas trying to do that. And for the Chiefs in this game, you do not want to be playing catch-up. You want to have the upper hand throughout the game. Yeah, Burrow started 9 of 9 in that game against Buffalo and had six different receivers catch those nine passes. Sounds very uh, Mahomes-ish. And this is a Bengals offense, fifth in the last eight games of the regular season. They were fifth in points scored at 232 points. And we know the weapons they've got with Jamar Chase – uh, T. Higgins has been very underrated. He's had a great year this year. Hayden Hurst, they picked up. Really good pickup at, at tight end, Tyler Boyd. But here's where I think they ambushed the Buffalo Bills. They ambushed the Buffalo Bills by running right at the Bills. 
Uh, Joe Mixon had a great game uh, with 20 carries, 105 yards. Samaje Ryan. these are two backs that are big, 225, 230, 235. Mixon didn't play against the Chiefs on January the 4th. Ryan last year had the biggest play you've forgotten about, maybe, or maybe you haven't forgotten about, with the Chiefs up 21-3 to to get a 41-yard screen pass for a touchdown. They're both hard to tackle. And I, I talked about this with you early in the week. Don't buy the whole, oh, my gosh, it's the backup offensive lineman and we had to go on practice squad to find these guys at a garage sale. Yeah. Can we stop that? <laughs> stop it. At right tackle is Akeem Adeniji, who played here in this area at the University of Kansas, was all Big 12. He played in all of the playoff games last year for the Bengals on their run to the Super Bowl, including winning in Kansas City. So can we stop that? And the right guard is Max Sharpering, who has – got like the second most playoff starts on their offensive line. So let's just stop that as well. And then Karras is really good in the center at the center position where he's won two Super Bowls with New England and was run up in another one. So let's just stop all of the, oh, my gosh, I don't know how we even did it with this offensive line. This is a group that season they played, and they're physical. And that goes back to the point of the Chiefs having to exceed the intensity of this Cleveland or sorry, this Cincinnati offense. Yeah, if you go back and watch the Bills-Bengals game, watch the line of scrimmage. Watch the offensive line of the Bengals against the Bills' defensive line, and they just dominated all day long. And the best way to get an offensive line in a groove is to run the football, and the Bengals did that with tremendous success. Uh, between Mixon and Pirine, uh, they rushed for 138 yards against Buffalo. Just those two guys. I think they have like 170 yards rushing as a team. Mixon and Pirine uh, combined to average 5.1 yards per carry. The Chiefs cannot let that happen. We talk all about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and their passing attack, which, yes, is very good. But when they run the football effectively, they are very, very, very difficult to stop. Now, if you want an example of how you can slow them down, because everyone's talking about last week against the Bills, and understandably so. But look, two weeks ago against the Ravens, Mixon and Pirine combined for just 42 yards on the ground on 13 carries. And then all of a sudden, uh, it was a close game. The Bengals had to throw the ball a whole bunch. The pass rush got going on Joe Burrow. That's the game plan for the Chiefs. Not what happened last week. Whatever the Bills did, don't do that. Throw that out. You want to be physical and dominate up front. And the Ravens did that. The Ravens were not scared. They were not intimidated. And that's the attitude the Chiefs need in this game. Yeah, the Ravens sacked Joe Burrow four times in that game and needed a 98-yard scoop or fumble recovery by Sam Hubbard, or the Bengals might not even be in this game. Yep. So give them credit. Uh, and this is a really good team, but uh, you're right, to be physical with them and to uh, take the fight to them, don't react, but be proactive in, in being physical with the Cincinnati team. It's interesting in this game, these two quarterbacks, and we've seen a lot of Burrow-Mahomes uh, comparisons. And don't forget when you see all these comparisons, when they say the first three seasons – of Herbert, who's really good, or the first three seasons of Joe Burrow, who's really good, or the first – stop it. Mahomes didn't play his first season. It's not an apples-to-apples comparison yeah. because he's got five playoff victories. Joe Burrow does, which is great. I mean, that's a Cincinnati record when you look at Boomer Science and others so awesome, and they're going like, like most in his first three seasons. Well, think of what Patrick Mahomes did in his first three years as a starter. He had one his first year. He gets three his second year. What's that's four. In his third year, he gets, what, two more. That year, he's got six. So really, the apples to apples, when they both played three years as the starting quarterback, Mahomes and Joe Burrow wins this game. He'll be equal Mahomes at six. Yeah. If you think about Mahomes' career, as a starter, he's never finished shy of the AFC title game at home. That's bonkers, right? And I think as a society – 
as a national, as a global football watching world, for some reason it's been decreed that if a player is good, everyone else must be bad. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> like Joe Burrow is really, really good. That's obvious. Patrick Mahomes is really, really good. We think he's the best quarterback in all of football. Now let's go play. I, I don't understand why we have to create these narratives and everything. Patrick Mahomes is off to the greatest start uh, for any player in NFL history, and he's 27 years old playing in his fifth AFC title game with an opportunity to go to his third Super Bowl. I mean, it's the kind of stuff that if it was in Madden, you'd be like, you need to up the difficulty because that's not realistic. Well, it's just it's the year that Patrick didn't play <laughs> yeah. that somehow counts against him when people do the comparisons and they're like, no, that's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. It does drive me crazy, and you as well, but a lot of things drive us crazy. What is interesting, though, these two quarterbacks, because they were 1-2 in yards passing this year in the National Football League regular season, and they were 1-2. Burrow had 35 touchdown passes tied uh, with Josh Allen. Mahomes had 41. That led the NFL. But this is the first time, if I'm not mistaken, according to the NFL records, that the two quarterbacks who are number one in yards passing and touchdown passes will meet in the championship game since 1943. Sammy Baugh against Sid Luckman. That's crazy. Isn't that nuts? I mean, what are the odds of that? Never, <laughs> never this happened? I mean, it's just insane. Um, it, it does go to show that a lot of times when you have a lot of great passing stats, it doesn't always correlate to a great team. That's yeah. why I think – Patrick Mahomes and what he has done in Kansas City, you and I talk about this all the time, is almost underrated because he has all the numbers and the stats. He led the NFL in passing yards and passing touchdowns, uh, total yards, uh, almost every category you can think of. He was just remarkable, but he also wins. He's not just a player who's racking up yardage and his team is 9-8 and eight or something. So that's what's so important about him. And also when he is injured in a game, he refuses to come out and leads a team to victory in the divisional round. It's incredible stuff from Patrick Mahomes. That's why he's the MVP of this league. Talking about Joe Burrow, though, what's interesting about him is his average release time. And we talked about this last week uh, when we were looking at Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence had the third fastest average release time of any quarterback in the NFL behind Tom Brady and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow gets rid of the football even quicker than Trevor Lawrence does. Uh, his average time to throw this season was 2.49 seconds. And he was even faster last week against Buffalo. His average time to throw was 2.46 seconds. We talked about the offensive line. It's overblown that they're all backups, right? They're not all backups. But this is how they've kind of gotten around it being a relatively new group is just getting rid of the football quickly. And it's worked really well for them. But even though he's getting rid of the football quickly and his average time to throw last week against Buffalo was 2.46 seconds, that still means on half of his dropbacks he's holding it longer than that. Mm -hmm. And for the Chiefs in this game, Joe Burrow does not give you a lot of opportunities to get to him. It's intentional. But when he hangs on to the football – when he's waiting for that deep shot to open or if his first read is covered and he's scanning the field, the pass rush has to get to him. And this was a narrative all offseason. Of course, the Chiefs couldn't get to Joe Burrow last year in the AFC title game. This has to be a theme in this one where consistently we are creating pressure on him when he holds on to the football and we are bringing him to the ground and forcing them into long second and third down situations and getting them off the field. And that gets back to the physicality and the aggression we need in this game. Yeah, people see sacks, 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 sacks. It, it's pressure and disruptions, uh, quarterback hits, 
Uh, Chris Jones has been phenomenal this year, and I love the fact now that he's getting real attention about being the National Football League Defensive Player of the Year. And if he doesn't get it, at least being in that discussion with the Micah Parsons of the Dallas Cowboys. But Chris Jones becomes, to me, an example of what you're saying uh, and how you can disrupt this game, even at the very beginning you know, vestiges of a play. Chris Jones this year had 57 quarterback pressures. Uh, that was second to only Dexter Lawrence of the New York Giants or Dallas Cowboys. Um, but the point is, Chris Jones can affect a game so many ways other than just getting sacks. And he allows his teammates to get involved. He's going to get double teamed in this game. The Bengals are going to do that. But he can knock down passes, affect the physics of the throw. Carlos Dunlap can do the same. We've seen George Karloftis do it. He did it against Jacksonville. And so just throwing things off a tick and then being able to defend the run game. I mean, so just because you're not going, gosh, we've got to get four sacks because Burrow, if he gets less than four sacks, he's, he's only lost a couple of games. Well, it's a matter of being disruptive and physical uh, in the trenches against these guys. Yeah, it's more than just the actual sacks, of course. I think that's one of those numbers where it's not really accurate. I mean, if you look at the Bengals' pass rush, they're like third to last in the NFL in sacks this year. We're not looking at that defensive line like it's not very good. It's one of the best defensive lines in all of football. So that kind of illustrates what you're talking about. But in this game, what I'm so excited about is the Chiefs defensive line played really well last week. How about Derek Nottie uh, with a gigantic play on Trevor Lawrence uh, early uh, in the fourth quarter, I believe. It was the Chris last Jones play. Chris Jones set that up. Yeah, Chris Jones was all over the place. Yep. He was a monster. Uh, the defensive line's playing really well. And in a sense, the entire team elevated their game just a tick when Patrick Mahomes first got hurt, and even when he came back in. Everyone did. And what's so important for the Chiefs is to carry that now into this game. We're confident Patrick Mahomes can go out there and play. But we all know what happened last week, right? He's still dealing with that. That's a reality. If everyone goes out there with the same intensity that they had immediately after that injury, it's going to be very difficult for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, it's an excellent point. And Burrow, by the way, I did find the stat here. Since 2021, sacked less than four times. Think about that. He's 23-3, and 4-8, and eight, when sacked four more times. But, okay, disrupt things, get off the – but stop the run game or at least mitigate the run game. But your point's a good one because let's go there next because we don't talk about offensive linemen enough. We've already talked about the Bengals' offensive line. But when Chad Henney came into the game with first and ten at his own two and the entire Chiefs' kingdom around the world was kind of gasping for air, that offensive line – from right down the line, from Orlando Brown Jr., Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, and Andrew Wiley said, put it on us. Give us the backpacks. Give us everything you need to carry to go up the mountain because we need to elevate our game. And I, and I like what you said because I've said it as well this week on, in other outlets, is that that mentality by the offensive line at that moment, which said, Chad, we're going to follow us. We're going is what the mentality needs to be with everybody who's wearing a red and gold jersey on this game, in this game. This is the ultimate team game. It truly is, and we say that a lot, and it might seem cliche. And Patrick Mahomes is the best player in all of football, and he gets the spotlight on him a lot, deservingly so. But when he is no longer in the game, nine times out of ten, a team is going to wilt because that's our MVP quarterback. What are we going to do? Our season's on the line. For Chad to come in and for the whole team to respond and answer that challenge immediately on the two-yard line and drive 98 yards down the field to score a touchdown and to say, no matter who's in the game, 
you have to deal with us. And we're going to find a way to get this done with our season on the line. That's why this is a championship caliber team. It's not just the Kansas City Patrick Mahomeses, which he's obviously a big part of everything we do. But he would be the first person to say that. And what I loved is after the game, or after that drive, watch Patrick Mahomes' reaction to Chad Henney. He's losing his mind celebrating. He's the first person to congratulate him. When Mahomes didn't come back into the game immediately, uh, before halftime, he's over there with a tablet talking to Chad Henney, saying, hey, let's look at this. He becomes basically a, a coach, right? And thank goodness he was able to come back into the game. But the way he handled that was masterful. And it just shows that this is a team. It's not just one guy. And that's why I have so much faith in this group. And that's why I love this team so much. Yep. And it's why we believe in this team going into this game against the Cincinnati Bengals because, really, people are now starting to favor the Bengals. Some by as many as, oh, Funf points or Cinco. But the Chiefs are going to try to get the Lamar Hunt trophy back to where it belongs right here in the Chiefs kingdom. He's Matt McMullen. I'm Mitch Holtus, voice of the Chiefs. You can doubt the Chiefs. You can dislike the Chiefs. You can disrespect or whatever. But you're going to have to deal with the Chiefs. And the Bengals will have to deal with the Chiefs. Touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.